we're going to change it up a little bit today because what I have to talk about uh, really is more about worship. So we're actually going to continue on after uh, my message uh, about worship and about worshiping God, and, and we're going to go back into some songs and, and things like that. So today is, oh yes, thank you, uh, it's a couple things before, uh, if you are uh, in the elementary class, if you are uh, first grade through sixth grade, uh, Gary is your teacher, Gary, wave your hand one more time, and uh, go ahead and follow Gary on out, you can go, you can go to your class, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, today we celebrate in, uh, in Christianity, we celebrate Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the day uh, that Jesus entered in Jerusalem triumphantly. It was the day that he was publicly announcing that he was the Messiah, that he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, he had already been uh, doing his ministry he had been out there, and he had been, you know, healing the blind. He had been raising the dead. He had been casting out demons. And, and so, of course, there was definitely a lot of talk about who was this guy? Who, was he just a great prophet? Was he just like another Elijah? You know, who, who was he? And, and, you know, some believed that he was the Messiah. Some believed that he was just a great person. But here he is, Jesus, claiming and, and publicly coming out saying, I am he, I am the great I am, I am the Messiah. Whatever doubts when you're in your mind before should be removed, for he is and is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My, my sermon series has been called Walking with Jesus, and you know, I was wondering what must have it been like being one of the disciples, being one of Jesus' disciples to walk with him, right? You know, we still kind of, because we're, you know, far removed from uh, his time on earth, I, you know, we kind of hold Jesus up, you know, in this, you know, reverence, which I believe that we should, but there's also a side of him that was very personal, right? There was a side of him that his disciples got to understand by walking with him, by, by you know, the, the love that they would have experienced, the, the friendship, the, the camaraderie, you know, all of these things that we, you know, that we're kind of a little bit of removed for because we look at Jesus as God and that we believe that he is the son of God. Um, but we forget the personal side and we kind of took some stories to really show the personal side of Jesus and, and how much he wants to have a daily relationship with you. This idea of walking with him, right? This idea of sharing your life with Jesus because he is sharing his life with us. That it's not just a Sunday thing. We don't just go to church and, and okay, God, I give you Sunday, all right? That's it. That is not the kind of relationship that God wants with us. He wants to be a part of Every moment of your life, he cares. And last week, we even, we even you know, talked about God cares for you so much that he wants to provide you know, even your basic needs. When, when, when uh, you know, Jesus performed the miracle of, of all the fish for Simon Peter, that was his job. And yet Jesus cared so much for Simon Peter and his, you know, and his livelihood that he blessed him, that he blessed his business. God cares about every part of your life, your, your home life, 
He cares about your work life. He cares about your school life. He cares about everything about you and everything that you're involved in. And he wants to be involved in that. And why is it? And by the way, I've been, you know, uh, uh, fault at this. Why is it that I only take God into certain situations? And then there's other situations, uh, you know, I, I, I freak out about. Why is it that I'll, I'll pray with my friend, right? I'll be at church and I'll be praying with a friend that we're going to believe that God's going to do a miracle for you. You know, whatever it is that you're asking, and I'll have all this faith. And then I'll go home and my wife and I will start talking about our finances for the week and how we don't have the money to pay this bill and that bill and this bill. And all of a sudden, I freak out. All of a sudden, it seems, you know, I, I forget that God is there, Right? I was believing, you know, one day for something, and then the next day for something else, I completely fall apart. You know, we seem to have this relationship with God when he wants to be a part of every single thing, you know, that you are involved in. He wants to walk with you. That's why I I titled it specifically Walking with Jesus. Today, we are going to talk about walking in victory, that in, in Jesus, there is victory Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever the things that, you, that are going on in your life, whatever the things that you, you, know, you seem to be laboring over, believing for, that understanding that there is victory in Jesus, that when we are walking with him, you are walking with the one that is already victorious. He has already conquered the grave. He has already defeated death for you. So then what's there left? Why is it that we still fear? Why is it that we still freak out? Why is it that we still, you know what I mean? And that's because we need to have this intimate relationship with him and this understanding that Jesus has got you and he's not going to let you go. I want to look at the story today of the triumphal entry. And, I, and if you don't have your Bibles with you, I, do ha- I will have it up here on the screen. But it is in Luke chapter 19, the story that I'm going to read. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. Now, I want to read the story to you. I'm just going to pick out a couple things. And then we are going to go back in to worship. We are going to go back into spending time with our God, with our creator. Luke 19 in verse 28 says this. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as uh, they were untying it, the owners asked, what are, why are you untying that colt, right? That'd be someone hopping into your car. What are you doing in my car? The Lord needs it. <laughs> I'm going to come to some of your houses. I'm going to try that one. <laughs> See how well, how well that goes over. The Lord needs it. And verse 34, and the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When they reached the place where the road started down, the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout 
and to sing. And as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. This is the story of the triumphal entry. This is the moment where Jesus isn't just out there performing miracles and and doing teachings and things like this. He is coming out and he is declaring who he is. If there was question about it before, all questions are now answered. Because of his posturing and because of this, and by the way, this was prophesied that he would do this. This was, this was prophesied. I just want to pick a couple things out of this story and share them with you. Some, some key things that I believe are very important to understand about the story. The first one is verse 34 when it says, what does the Lord require of you? That's my question to you. What does the Lord require of you? This is kind of the picture of the donkey, right? The Lord requires this. The Lord, what does the Lord require of you? See, I, I, I've come to understand that even though there is freedom in Christ, right? We have freedom in Christ now. We're not, we're not bound by slavery. We're not bound by the Old Testament laws and rules. And we're not bound by this heavy chain you know, of, of religion or anything like that. We have freedom in Christ. I am, I am saved. I am redeemed. I can now walk in freedom. But then there's this idea of being living sacrifices. I now give my life just as Jesus did. I now give my life and everything that I have freely. Okay, are you following me? Are you tracking with me? I have freedom in Christ, but now I give what I have to the Lord back to him freely to be used. Lord, how, how, do, you, how do you want to use me? How do what I have, what you have blessed me with, how can I use that to be a blessing? How can I serve you, Lord? What does the Lord require of you? And I don't mean that in a, you know, in a get in line and, and get to work and, and you know, lazy you know, type of thing. No, I mean, God has given you gifts. God has blessed you. He's given you talents. There's, there's things that God has given for to be used for his glory. And if you would think yourself insignificant, I want to tell you right now that is untrue. God wants to use every single one of you to build the kingdom of God. That's what it says in the scripture, that we are to be living sacrifices, that we are all one body, that, we are, that there is no part of the body that is more important than the other. I am not more important than you, right? We are all one body. I am just a piece, just as you are a piece. And when we come together, we are stronger What does God require of you? What is he asking from you? And that's only something you can answer. The other verse is verse 36. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus riding in on a donkey, on a colt of a donkey, which is basically the the donkey's child, right? The donkey's colt. Him riding on a donkey is a fulfillment of prophecy. In Zechariah 9.9, it said, look, Your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. This is where the Old Testament is now fulfilled. There's this big debate going on right now of the importance of the Old Testament. 
And it's really, I, I, I am baffled by it. There are, there are churches and there are certain Christian sects that, that, that are saying that, that the Old Testament is ir- irrelevant. I, I, I say to you that it's very relevant, and, and here's my positioning on it. It is the foundation of how we build now what would we call the New Testament. It is what the New Testament sits upon. You are not bound by the Old Testament laws anymore, but we still need to understand them. The Old Testament is what sets up Jesus. It, it, the entire Old Testament is leading up to Christ's coming. And so we need to understand, even though we are not bound by the Old Testament anymore, we don't need to you know, keep all those rules and regulations as, as they did. We are not bound by those rules, but it is still important to understand them because I believe they are still the very foundation of what the New Testament is built upon. Verse 38. Worshiping God for the wrong reasons or selfish reasons. So they worship, they're worshiping God, right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Other scriptures say, you know, they, they're worshiping. They're so excited. They, they are freaking out. Jesus, the Messiah, is here. Now remember... Put yourself in their minds. They have been waiting for a very long, long time. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They have been waiting. It has been prophesied. They have been believing that a Messiah is going to come, that a, the lineage of David. I mean, there's all these scripture pointing. And here he is. And as they begin to worship him, what they're believing in their hearts is that he is going to overthrow Rome that he is going to overthrow the oppression that is physically upon them. The thing is, is that Jesus did not come to do that specifically. He came to do something even greater, something that they couldn't even see or fathom. He had not just come to set them physically free, he had come to set them spiritually free, eternally free. See, they didn't realize that they were looking at their oppression as physical, They were physically under Roman oppression. But what they could not see is that they were bound spiritually. They were under a spiritual oppression that only God could save them from. And that's what Jesus had come to free them. But when they were worshiping him, they were hoping that he was going to do something for them right now to meet their immediate need. And I propose this thought to you because it was a thought that I had about myself. How often do I come and approach the throne room of God? How often do I come to approach worshiping God with, what is he going to do for me? How often do I say, okay, God, what's in it for me today? If I come and I worship you and I'm a really good person and I go to church on Sundays, what are you going to do for me? Are you going to help me? Are you going to take care of all my issues? Are you going to you know, smooth everything out for me? Are you going to make life you know, uh, all fine and dandy for me? You know what I mean? I have this. It's an attitude. It's a posturing sometimes I take. When I'm going to be very honest with you, when I'm worshiping, sometimes I say, okay, God, what are you going to do for me today? Boy, I really need you. I'm exhausted. I'm drained. I'm this, I'm that. My, you know, my family's sick or, or I'm, I have no money. Oh, God, you're just going to solve all, my, you know, all the world's problems for me. Instead of just worshiping him, because as the Bible said, he is worthy of our praise. Instead of just worshiping him because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Because he is my creator. Because of who he is. And I was 
convicted of that. I really was checked that, that, you know what? Does he take care of us? Yes. Does he meet our needs? Yes, because he's a loving father. Does he answer our prayers? In fact, he says to ask him, right? Ask, seek, knock. He tells us, come to me, come to me. I mean, he looks at us as his children. Come to me, come to me. But sometimes I need to worship God simply because he's God and simply because he is worthy of my praise. That is why we encourage you when we come on Sundays together to lift your hands and to lift your voices, not because you feel like it, but because he is worthy of it. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing my heart? And this is my last point, and then we're going to go back into worship. It says, the stones on the road would burst into, into uh, cheers. That if his people didn't cry out, that the stones on the road would burst out and they would worship him. Listen, God will be praised, whether it's by us or whether it's by some rocks on the street. Let's not, let's not let it go that far. Let's not be silent. You see, our culture is trying to silence you. Our culture thinks that if they can get you to Shut up, that this God thing is just going to go away, that this feeling of conviction that only comes through the Holy Spirit is going to go away, that this feeling of, you know, I want to serve myself and not serve, that that's just going to go away, that if they can get God's people to be quiet. But Jesus says, that's not what's going to happen, because even if my people are quiet, even the rocks will cry out. God will be praised. Do you understand? God, God will be worshiped because he is worthy of it, because of who he is, not what he will do for you. But remember, he's already, he's already conquered death for you. He's already been victorious for you, and he cares for you. You guys, there is victory in Jesus. There is victory. And so what I wanted to do today, to honor Palm Sunday, is I want to go to that point, that place that Jesus is sitting on a donkey, that he is coming victorious and triumphant, that he is our savior, that he is our king, and that we are gonna worship him, not because of how we feel, not because of what we've done, not because of even who we are, but because of who he is. So I'm gonna ask in this next time, you can either sit, you can either stand, you can raise your hands, you can take any posture of worship that you want, but we're gonna go back into a time of worship you're going to even hear some readings that are just going to continue to focus our mind on God. But that's what I'm going to ask of you today. That's what I'm going to ask our church, City Church, to honor Palm Sunday. That we would just simply worship God because he's God. Amen? Amen. Let's do that. Go ahead, Chris. Chris.